This is another episode of Sing Second Sports. This is pod number, I don't know, 30, 40, 70. It's 2020 during a pandemic, so really numbers and days don't really mean the same. But I'll tell you what, um, we're going to bring you a breakdown of the week that was and the week that lies ahead for Naval Academy Sports. First off, a tough loss for the football team, returning home, having not played a game in 28 days, the Naval Academy football team fell to uh, a really talented Memphis team, uh, really low score, um, yeah, 10-7, but the defense played phenomenal. And, uh, and you know, so now we'll look ahead to Tulsa, which we'll break down a little bit more in the outro. Uh, more significantly, before we get to our interview with Chet Gladchuk, the athletic director of the Naval Academy, who was kind to join us, uh, you know, a pretty big uh, basketball week. Uh, that culminated last night in a big win over the Georgetown Hoyas. So anytime I see like Patrick Ewing on the sidelines upset, it makes me super happy. Um, and it couldn't make me happier last night to, to see Cam Davis score 28 points and the team play so inspired to beat uh, Georgetown at their house. So for a breakdown of that, Ward, number one, uh, did you watch the game? And, and how do you feel about beating... Yeah, the the Villanova of of Washington D.C. in their own house and uh, at Georgetown. Yeah, I saw the game, and you know what? What are you going to say? That's a that's a classic win. That's a signature win. Um, I saw the the chatter uh, on Twitter after the fact, and uh, check me here. It was the first time we'd beat a team of that stripe since the late '80s. Um, you know, so I mean, that's that's David Robinson era. You know, so um, it'll be interesting to see what Chet has to say about it and and how he feels about his investment in the basketball team. Um, you know, obviously we've had Coach Tuchelis on the on the pod, and he's a great guy, and we're we're very happy for the, his you know near term success here. So it's fantastic. I mean, this is 2020. You know, ups and downs, highs and lows, and that's that's something that we needed. So that that's a great win. Yeah, so Cam Davis, uh, you know, basically went from you know, just joining the 1,000 point club to already climbing to number 24, uh, having pra- uh, passed Brandon Venturini uh, with his 28 point performance. And like I said last time, if if Cam puts together a series of performances like he had uh, last night against Georgetown, he could potentially end up in the top 10 all time in scoring. Um, just to put into perspective the Admiral a little bit here, you know, we're, we're talking about how great of a career Cam Davis has already had, being that he just joined the 1,000-point club. David Robinson, his senior year, scored 970 points. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but still, not to take anything away from Cam, uh, a great performance, and, and I think a really good team. On the other side, um, the, the football team had a really tough day particularly at the quarterback position where you could just tell it it was not necessarily working again. The offense struggled, but the defense was holy moly amazing um, against Memphis. For more of that breakdown, Wags, what did you observe? And and what do you think the future holds against Tulsa based on 
either the progress or the regression you saw last Saturday? Well, let's start with the positive. The defense was outstanding. And, you know, this is what we saw last season with the Navy defense. Brian Newberry uh, just having them ready to play. He always talks about playing with elite effort, flying around. Um, we haven't quite seen that often enough this season, but the, he really had that defense dialed in and prepared. And I tell you what, to hold an attack like Memphis with Brady White as the quarterback and Calvin Austin a third, as you mentioned, John, I mean, Calvin Austin's been tearing up every offense, every defense in the American Athletic Conference, and he was almost unheard from during this game. Only two catches. Yep. Yeah, amazing. So kudos to the defense, and let's hope that that this is what we're going to see the rest of the way, that Newberry's got the defense fixed. But you know, the offense, I cannot believe that we're eight games into the season and the Navy offense still looks like this. And what has been the calling card of this coaching staff, Ken Niamatololo and Ivan Jasper, prior to that, Paul Johnson, Ken Niamatololo and Ivan Jasper, they always found a way to get this offense operating properly. They know the triple option. They know how to fix it. And it just hasn't happened this year um, for a variety of reasons. Clearly, uh, the quarterback is the biggest issue. They're just not getting any production from the quarterback. Um, this is an offense where the quarterback has his the balls in his hands on every play, and he's the one making decisions about where the ball ends up. And here's the truth of the matter. Navy runs a triple option offense. And this season, it's only been effective in one area of those options, the fullback. That's that's the entire offense has been the fullback running between the tackles. The slot back pitch is non-existent. The quarterback keeper is non-existent. And so you have opponents that are not being kept honest. They don't have to concern themselves with the slot back pitch of the quarterback keeper. They're, there's, Navy's not pressuring the defense in those elements. So it's just disappointing to see, you know, I hope, pray that somehow, some way it gets turned around in the next two games, but heck, we're eight games into the season. I mean, my God, it should have been fixed by now. So with all that said, and I'll throw it over to Chris, that makes what Nelson Smith did against Memphis all the more remarkable. And Chris and I were there uh, with you in the press box uh, watching in person, Nelson Smith basically, go one man wrecking crew on, on the whole thing. And if it weren't for Nelson and, and his, and his performance, it, it might've been really ugly because the, you know, the, the defense, you know, was, was doing everything they could, but the offense kept putting them into tough spots. So, you know, Chris, you know, it, you, you and I were, were utterly spellbound by what Nelson was doing the other night. What, what's your take on, on how, you know, how we can incorporate Wags's advice here to kind of open up the offense to, to just to, to utilize more weapons than Nelson. Yeah, John, I'm not sure uh, is the short answer. Nelson um, is a, is a special athlete, but I mean, he got a lot of help from the, the line. I mean, they were moving guys off the ball. He had holes to, to run through you know, piggybacking on what Wag said, that's what I don't really understand with that kind of line movement. And we didn't see that kind of line movement early on. So the line has really progressed. Um, but with that kind of line movement, the quarterback keeper should be um, happening a lot more. Um, the quarterback 
fake quarterback keeper and then pitch to the outside should be happening a lot more. And I just don't know why it isn't. And this is what's what's tough because normally Wags would be at practice day in and day out. And I think we'd get a better sense through his writing and through some of the comments on here, what he's seeing in practice and how well they're running it and who's comfortable and who's not. So without knowing that, it's hard to tell. Um, none of the quarterbacks that we've seen look comfortable under center. None of them look comfortable making decisions. And my sense was, I mean, not, not knowing what plays were called, really most of that game, we didn't run the option. They were straight calls. It was either a, a handoff to the, to the halfback or, a, um, you, you know, a throw or um, a pitch or, I mean, there was very little decision-making on the part of the person under center. Um, that's got to change if we're going to be effective moving forward. Yeah, just to point on what, what Chris was just saying and what Wag said. Uh, so the the big travesty here is this Memphis team was gettable. Um, I'll tell you, just from standing on the sidelines and comparing them to, say, a Houston size-wise, they are not big. Not big physically. A um, lot of smack talk. And I will tell you, that first drive shut them up. In fact, there was an audible, oh, when, when we scored, right? So had we been able to maintain that on offense, the game probably would have been, you know, 21 to 10. Um, so it, that's, that's where I think some of the travesty is. So it, as we're saying here, the defense kept us in the game. Special teams kept us from tying or winning it. And I mean, specifically a missed field goal and a muffed punt uh, that gave him great field position. So you know, this, this we didn't get blown out. Um, three quarterbacks, no production, no trends, kind of all over the place. Whatever we thought that Dalen coming in uh, and, and Xavier and, and Tiger would do uh, in terms of skill sets, it just didn't pan out, you know? And, and so uh, I like like Wags and Chris, I don't think, I don't know, I don't have much optimism about what will happen in the balance of the season, you know, hashtag beat army. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just a little bit concerned for our offensive production here. Well, that's a very good segue into, um, you know, the, the next thing we'd like to talk about, which is the debut of the army Navy uniforms. Uh, however, before I do that, I know that Wags was struck by it and Chris and I were also struck by it. Um, yeah, it, we we give a lot of credit to Scott Strassmeyer and the rest of the sports information crew for all the hard work they do. But, they, you know, they're also an incredibly thoughtful bunch. And as we got into the press box on Saturday, there is a dedicated seat for Bob Hoke, who had just died, um, longtime member of the uh, of the Capital Gazette sports crew. Um, so really, really thoughtful gesture from them, um, which I was, you know, I, it, again, it just just a first rate team, um, you know, showing a lot of respect for, for someone who cared a lot about Naval Academy sports. So as we get into the army Navy uniforms, uh, which debuted army debuted theirs on a Sunday night of Thanksgiving weekend, as the old PAO, I won't really comment too much about that, but then right after that, uh, Navy debuted theirs. So wags, I'll give you the first, uh, the first hit on this. What did you think of the uniforms and how much do you think they're actually playing a role in not only helping cash strapped athletic departments like army and Navy by selling more gear, but also like how much do you think it really helps recruiting, which is what Nehemiah was saying the other day. 
Well, I am no fashion designer, nor do I play one on TV. So far be it for me to analyze the look. Um, what I do know is a lot of thought goes into it. Um, you know, they've been doing this since 2008. So it gets hard to come up with new ideas and new designs, etc. cetera. Um, Navy equipment manager, Greg Morgan Thaler, who's highly involved with this process, working with Under Armour on the design, uh, did tell me that designing for a white away uniform is more difficult than designing for the dark home uniform. Uh, I don't know why that is, but that's what he says. Um, but no matter how you slice it, and you can parse about whether Navy's better than Army this year as far as the uniform or whatever, and I think both institutions have hit home runs with their uniforms, and both have had some misses. So um, I happen to like the ships. They, well, I think they called it the fleet uniform, which uh, had you know some type of ship, a battleship, a cruiser, what have you, on the helmet. I like those. Um, the, you know, the Marine Corps look, I wasn't so great about. Blue Angel look, I liked. So I don't know. It's to each his own. The marble uh, look this year, I don't know if everybody's going to get it. You almost have to read the story to understand why that's on there. But uh, no matter how you slice it, the players love it. It's exciting for the players to put on a unique-looking uniform, and it does help recruiting 100% when you're getting national attention for your uniforms and everybody's on the internet talking about it on Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. It helps recruiting, no question about it. So before I go over to Ward uh, for his uh, commentary about how well the new gear will match his fancy schmancy hover shoes from Under Armour, um, Chris, you and I had a pretty good conversation about um, about the uniforms and you know it, what what the possible goods and bads were. What what was your take in the end? Because I thought you had a really good perspective on it. So I was definitely in the minority. Um, I, I wasn't wild about it. I mean, I did share uh, Wags's view that uh, any time that the reveal for these, you know, for this particular game gets the attention that it does, um, it's fantastic for both schools. And uh, you know, just just based on my view of uh, social media on Sunday night when Army debuted, and then yesterday when Navy debuted, I mean, lots of comments across uh, all of college football, not, not just in army and Navy circles. Um, but it, it, you know, it didn't really strike a chord with me. That, that's okay. I mean, I still bought about my son, a, uh, a Jersey and, you know, bought, uh, you know, some a couple sweatshirts. Uh, so I, I feel like I did my, my part. Um, I, you and I were talking, I, I like the uniforms that have more of a, a fleet message to them that, uh, and, and perhaps that's the, the old communicator in me and an emphasis on the word old, uh, because I mean, based on the enthusiasm from the midshipmen and from younger folks, uh, I clearly am getting old and, and have a, a grouchy view of it. Um, but I like uniforms that take full advantage of the national spotlight and tell more of a naval story. So I like the blue angels. I like the ships. I like the Marine Corps. Um, this one as wags kind of hinted at is a little bit more nuanced, um, but that's okay. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not the audience. Uh, and the, like we said, uh, the majority of people were really fired up about it. And, uh, you know, as long as we beat army, I, I don't care what we wear. <laughs> Ward, go ahead. So I'm exactly where Chris is on this. I'm old. I don't love it, but I saw the 
the sing second poll on Twitter and overwhelmingly pe- people are, uh, are liking it. So I will buy a hoodie. I don't think it's going to match my hover shoes. Um, so I'll just have to live with that. But <laughs> like, like Chris said, let's just beat army. You know, I mean, there are years that are big wins. I love the blue angel one. Uh, and oh, by the way, we lost that year. Um, and uh, some of the others just seemed to little be be a little more elegant, a little more fleet facing. Um, I get that there's a story behind this, but the communicator in me is like, if you have to tell the story to get the point across, then maybe it's a miss. Um, but whatever, right? Um, I, I, I think this is a challenge each and every year to do something that's fresh. I know all the best minds were on the case. I don't love this one, but, uh, you know, I'm old. Yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll give my long-winded opinion at the end, which will actually be less long-winded than usual. But I I, I got into several Twitter spats, I guess you can say, um, you know, about the uniform itself. And my first point was, I, I honestly don't care what any what either team is wearing. You know, as long as as long as it helps the brand of the overall game. You know, and and we can use. The, the next week to talk about the, the merits of the Army-Navy rivalry and how it's above any other rivalry. And, and I fashion myself the very best of sports fans, and, and a, I believe I have a very unique perspective on it. And I'm not a Naval Academy graduate, so I can't be you know, accused of being a sycophant. But I, I, as long as this uniform reveal plays a role in educating people about the merits of the rivalry and who these young men are who play. And then beyond that, the entire brigade and Corps of Cadets benefiting from people being more aware of the sacrifices they make as women and men, um, not only while they're in school, but what they do afterwards, then great. Um, like the hate on each other's uniforms, I think is like, maybe it's fun. Um, I just find it dumb. You know, it, it's kind of emblematic of what Twitter has become politically and everything else. Like, all right, fine. If you're going to hot take a, a bad uniform, whatever, like they, they can be wearing thousand dollar suits on Saturday, the Army Navy game, as long as we win. That's all I really give a shit about. So, you know, in the end, I, I have always fashioned myself more of a Nike fan than an Under Armour fan. And that goes across all things like I hate Jordan Spieth's gear. Uh, for Under Armour golf, I really don't like Under Armour's uniforms. You know, in, in any of the sports they've done, I think Nike's got the code cracked. Other than with Oregon, which is horribly distracting, but I, I really thought Army's uniforms were nice. I thought ours were okay. I just, you know, it's just it's busy, and and that's me being the old man like you guys. So, um, but I I did go in and buy a shirt for my kid. Hashtag spoiler alert for Christmas if you're listening to this, Carter. And um, yeah, that that's I, I guess that's all that really matters. So. With that said, uh, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, uh, we are so happy to be joined by uh, Athletic Director Chuck Gladchuck, who will address the uniform reveal, the basketball team, the football team, and you know what the future looks like uh, financially for NAAA writ large. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond.
That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. Hey, we're back. Uh, great conversation there between us, um, you know, a, about a pretty eventful week in Navy sports. And who better to uh, break that down a little bit more than athletic director Chuck Gladchuck. Sir, thank you so much. This is your second time joining the uh, Sing Second Sports podcast. Thank you for making time during an, a really, a really <laughs> busy week. Uh, so how are you doing and how would you evaluate the fall season so, so far? Not much of a fall season, John. <laughs> kind of abbreviated, obviously. Um, you know, we just miss the action, uh, miss the, the, the pace, you know, that is intercollegiate athletics with game after game, challenge after challenge, win after win, you know. And, you know, when the first time I felt really, really good again with all of this that we've been dealing with and balancing and, and, and dodging the virus, et cetera, was <clears throat> watching our basketball team beat Georgetown. I mean, I really felt good. You know, all of a sudden I said, all right, now I remember how much fun we can be having around here, you know, when we get back on track, because we missed that. And we missed that excitement. And, you know, we, we went through a period this fall where you know, we were able to get in a few soccer games um, you know, volleyball was canceled and you know, we got a few rifle matches and things like that. But, you know, the real juice comes with, you know, with, with where you've got that tremendous interest and that investment, uh, you know, on a much more grandiose scale. You know, and that comes, of course, with our football team and our, our basketball team and our lacrosse team and, you know, the programs that really have a lot of, of uh, widespread interest and, um and, and I just think that to see the basketball team come around the way they did, you know, was really, um, again, a, a charge. We got recharged. So I, I got a great idea, John. Let's let's get that great feeling going again. Senior day on Saturday. <laughs> you know? Well, we can we can play uh, we can play a role in that for sure. Well, I mean, let's let's stay on basketball. So since you arrived you know, about 20 years ago now. Um, you know, the, the, the evolution of the basketball program has been remarkable, you know, from, from Don DeVoe, Billy Lang, and now, and now coach DeCellis, really a, a signature seven to eight days here with playing Maryland and, and playing Maryland pretty tough in the first half, a Maryland team that I think is going to be a lot better than people give them credit for. And then going into Georgetown and, and beating them the way they did, you know, how would you evaluate this evolution of, of the program, um, you know, to, to being on the cusp as Bill Wagner has, has, has begged for for years of, of actually going back to the NCAA tournament? Simple. Two words. About time. You know, <laughs> with, with what we've been investing in basketball and um, – in terms of support and resources and staffing and all of the above, um, you know, I expected a little bit more sooner than where we are today, to be honest with you. Um, I don't want to sound critical, but they, my job is to be analytical and to break it down. And, um, you know, I just think that um, I expected us to be better sooner. Uh, we haven't been, we've been patient. Uh, but also, 
what ADs do is they look at everything uh, with a calculated eye, John. You know, and that calculated eye is all the pieces that comprise the program. And, you know, you could see as we developed and then we'd fall short, there just seemed to be a reason why. Um, we'd develop and all of a sudden we just, you know, miss a three or, you know, something would fall off. I go, geez, we're almost there. And I really felt good, believe it or not, even though we got beat last year by BU in the tournament, the first round of the tournament, when I left that game, I went to Boston and watched it. I said to myself, we're right on the edge. I can just feel it. We're right on the edge. I think there were a lot of people that were frustrated with basketball. I think there were a lot of, you know, a lot of our alumni, you know, are, are, are anxious, uh, you know, to, 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 to see a little bit more success. But I, I really felt that it was important that we continue to support and, 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 you know, as it turns out, you know, we're playing really well. Um, you know, Maryland is just tough. When they started throwing those threes up in the second half, it was like, all right, okay, we get it. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, um, I'm just pleased to see the success that the men enjoyed, you know, at least three, being three and one uh, at this time frame. Now, the thing that I caution our coaches and I guess remind our coaches is that it's going to take stamina, you know, regardless it's a long season and you just can't burn out. <clears throat> we've got seasoned veterans. We've got strong people in there. We've got, um, so we, we got some athletes. We got some really good basketball players. And normally we're playing with athletes that we like to see play good basketball. I think this time around, we're looking at some guys that are actually good basketball players. Now I think a big part of it's going to be is to, um, you know, pace them at a level that they can sustain it through the course of the season. And I honestly, gosh, as I sit here today, I expect to play in the championship game. I really do in the Patriot League. Now, I know Colgate's got a good team. BU's got a good team coming back, but, you know, Army's going to be good this year and Army is good, but <clears throat> we're good enough to win it. And that's oh, my- very much. And, and I'll kick it over to Ward right after this observation, but, you know, Cam Davis uh, joined us a couple of weeks ago on the pod and, and what an impressive young man. What a, you know, what a great symbol of what a Naval Academy uh, midshipman and athlete is. But, you know, I'll tell you what, a, a bunch of 28 game or 28 point games, you know, strung together like he had last night. And he's going to possibly finish in the top 10 in scoring yeah. in the history of the Naval Academy, which will be you know, a phenomenal achievement. So I, I think we're very lucky for his senior leadership. And I know that the rest of the Sing Second Sports crew absolutely love talking to him because what a, what a great young man. You know, John, I'll tell you, if I may just accentuate that a little bit, I needed, I, I wanted to talk to him this summer um, in length, at length and in depth about the program. And when I came away for my conversation with Cam, um, I was confident going in. I was certain coming out of that conversation that we were going to be good this year because Cam is going to make us good. You know, I mean, you can coach and you can put him in, point him in the right direction and you can, 
You tell them what to do, but someone has got to be the inspirational driving force behind every successful team. And we've got it in Cam. Yeah, we really do. He's, he's, I love him. He's a wonderful person and a great player and he's determined. And that's why I believe that we, we can win the championship this year. You know, most ADs, well, I'm optimistic and, you know, we got a chance. Forget about it. <laughs> We're going to win it. How's that? I love it. That's, that's the, uh, that's the swagger you need uh, in it's 2020. <laughs> that's for sure. So speaking of swagger, Ward, go ahead. Wow. Oh, great segue. Um, so <laughs> uh, Chet, you mentioned that you were reminded of how it could feel uh, with our victory over Georgetown. I think the only other time I felt that way this semester was the Temple football game. Uh, you know, we had mids in the stands and yeah. it had the good energy and it was a great win. And uh, I sort of felt like we did in previous seasons when we'd pull off a great victory over Memphis or Houston or whatever. Yeah. And I just thought, what a gift to the brigade who were there. Um, and now they get a taste of what a home football game is like. And that was a moment in time that evaporated, obviously, in the in the pandemic environment. Right. Um, so last time we had you on the show, uh, we had asked you to sort of prognosticate on what the economics, the financials of this, let's just say this semester would be. Um, now we have some data. Uh, we are, it looks like we should manage to salvage a couple more AAC games, right? So we, we played um, Memphis last weekend. We'll do Tulsa this weekend. Looks like Army's on track, you know, keep, keep the team healthy. Um, so how does that, where does that leave us with respect to what, where you thought we'd be um, in terms of the, the financials? Yeah, probably um, two points I'd like to make, uh, maybe three points. Number one is that nothing's changed in terms of revenue generation, you know, because obviously you've seen, you've already mentioned it, there are no fans. There are no fans in the stands. Uh, corporate is affected. Suite holders are affected. Uh, development is affected. Uh, Army-Navy game, no fans. You know, that's, think about it. I mean, we sell that game out every single year to the tune of 70 to 75,000 people uh, no ticket sale, uh, move the game now to a academy site, you know, to minimize expense. Um, you know, not the main reason we left Philly. Philly couldn't handle it, but nevertheless, expenses are minimized. So the income stream really hasn't changed. I mean, we're still um, in, in dire straits there. But number two, extremely grateful to the Naval family, you know, our ticket holders, our fan base. Uh, we reached out to everyone and we said, listen, we need everyone all in this year because of the way things are going financially. I'll just give you the short version. And, you know, we asked them to, you know, donate the money back, even though you can't attend the game, defer to next year, you know, or we'll give you a refund. And 80%, maybe even greater than 80% of every ticket holder, including the people that we had sold tickets to for the Army-Navy game, either donated or deferred to next year, which means that we didn't have to repay 
We didn't have to send that money back. We could keep that money as operating. So, I mean, that was a huge, you know, huge factor for us, you know, in our cash flow. Um, and then number three, you know, going forward, you know, we hope is that when we launch right after Christmas, uh, the opportunity for season tickets for next year for Army Navy goes on sale in mid-spring. Uh, summer camps get kicked back in if the virus subsides, which we hope with a vaccine it will. Um, corporate re-engages. Then we'll start to pick up those finances in a way that we can gradually and gravitate into the next cycle of revenue generation. Now, what we're doing right now to sustain the operation simply is borrowing money and we're amortizing that over a number of years in which we can pay that money back uh, as we go forward. So, you know, we're gonna make it. You know, we're, we're gonna, we're not going out of business. Um, you know, we're not fielding teams because there is not a schedule yet you know, i.e. the Patriot League, and you know, we're waiting to see how that unfolds other than, other than basketball. But we're managing the expenses, you know, managing the borrowing, using some of our reserves, um, and we're finding a way to, again, transition to the next cycle of revenue generation, which should be right around the corner. So you don't anticipate, and let's, let's be – uh, blissfully cryptic here. You don't anticipate any belt tightening going forward? Sure. Sure. Our budget is probably 35% of what it normally is. Expenses. Do the math. That means that 65% of the expenses are don't exist. I've been eliminated or have been tightened. I'm at the point now where I've got a size 18 waist. <laughs> <laughs> We've always been a kind of thin guy. Yeah. Uh, but so, so where does that, again, not to get ahead of the facts or to okay. break news here, um, wh where does that, where, where does that come from? You know, is this a manpower thing? Is this an, uh, fewer road trips? Is this sure. a less sure. resources? What, what do we do? Well, you know, what do we do in the fall? We basically had what half a dozen soccer games. What do we normally have? 30. You know, there was no volleyball. Where did they travel to? Nowhere. Okay. Um, swimming. All at home. There's 60 people that could go on the road, stay overnight. The track team, you know, cross-country team travels. No overnights. You know, all day trips. No restaurants. You know, all box lunches. Um, no, no hiring. Shut down. People that left, positions weren't filled. Um, football games, no security. We don't need them for what? No fans. So, I mean, you can just go right down the line. And if you look at all of what are customary expenses, um, you know, no raises, you know, no bonuses for championships. Um, we just, it, the whole thing was absolutely scrubbed down to the point that, you know, it allowed us to, minimize or eliminate, you know, up to, as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, 60 to 65% of the expenses. So when you look at that, you wind it down to a budget that is a fraction of what it normally is and revenue, which is a fraction, then you can bring it to the line. And what you do is you just close the gap 
with borrowing. And that borrowing then will, again, stretch out over a period of time. You know, we, we mortgaged, you know, we the, the operation. You know, we took out a, um, what do you call it? An, an equity loan, you know, on future equity. And, and we will bounce back. You know, we've got the AAC, we've got television, we've got, you know, fan base, we got the corporate. That'll all come back in time. You know, I don't think we'll ever be quite as as fiscally um, uh, comfortable as we were last year. Uh, but then the question is, you know, do you need to be or, you know, as we build it back, we'll take a look at each one of those components. <clears throat> so it's been it's been a it's been a challenge, a huge challenge. Um, but the good news is that we had been banking reserves for 20 years and um, we had some monies in those accounts and we're using them now. Chet, so let's talk about the winter. Uh, already here as basketball season's underway, we're seeing games canceled. Maryland's already had two games, three games canceled. They they had one canceled. They tried to replace with Towson. They canceled. Now they're trying to play James Madison, and they announced that. And one day later, George Mason game is off. So um, you got to anticipate, similar to football, these uh, bumps in the road, if you will. Um, where do you? How do you see basketball season unfolding? You think we'll be able to get through a Patriot League campaign? Hey, Bill. You know, I. I, I it's a very, very understandable and logical question. Um, and I'd like to give you a really, you know, firm answer, you know, with confidence, but I mean, you've seen how it's unfolded, even take the football situation, you know, the way we lost those two games, Memphis and Tulsa, you know, right after SMU, we, we went into SMU, you know, all negatives. I mean, tested three times, no positives, Team intact. I mean, we were feeling terrific. We hadn't had a single positive. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, we're locked down for two weeks. And then you talk about the South Florida game, three weeks. So the uncertainty still is looming. Um, basketball is even, you know, as significant because in basketball, under the NCAA rules, if we have a positive in basketball, it shuts the whole program down for two weeks. Uh, and you think about how many games you can lose over that two-week span. You know, what I hope that we can do is get a basketball schedule or, or realize a basketball schedule out of the Patriot League, <clears throat> um, be able to administer it um, with every intention of fulfilling it. Uh, we travel during the day, you know, with rare exception. We don't stay overnight. As I mentioned a moment ago, you know, everything's in and out. Uh, we keep our people safe in the bubble. <laughs> you you uh, saw the game the other day in the Veterans Classic. I mean, very minimal staff. Um, and then just keep our fingers crossed so we can get through it, Bill. But um, I honestly don't know, you know, how it's going to play out. We're just hopeful that we can uh, end up with a good season and we can, as I predicted, win the championship this year and play enough games to justify it. Yeah, I think the Patriot League decision to go to these uh, little, whatever you want to call them, these small groupings is wise. Yeah. And 
you're going to play Loyola American a lot. And that way you're not traveling very far. You can be back home and spending the night on campus. Um, what about other winter sports, Chad? I know I've been in, talking to Stacy's from Sports Information. There's no wrestling schedule at, as a present, which, yeah. you know, you got a great coach here that you've brought on board, Kerry, um, and uh, he's probably itching to get going with some sort of competition, indoor track and field, et cetera. I mean, are we in the same situation as we were with the fall with having to have limited competitions in those other varsity sports? You know, Bill, there was an awful lot of enthusiasm about a month ago that this virus was subsiding. And look what's happened in the last month. And it is really, um, I mean, really, you know, paranoia set in. Um, and I say that because a lot of the decision making regarding scheduling, you know, comes with the ratification of the, of the presidents of the respective institutions. And the presidents are dealing with huge issues on their campus. I mean, you saw what we did at Navy. You know, our, our admiral, the superintendent, you know, closed down the yard, you know, just shut the whole thing down, uh, took away liberty to try to get us through this surge. Um, best laid plans are for wrestling. Best laid plans are for swimming and, you know, dragging some of the fall sports into the spring. Um, you know, we're still debating, believe it or not, indoor track. You know, and there's a contingent that doesn't think it's feasible you know, to put that number of people indoors and run. So it is, you know, it's so much a departure from the way we do business. You know, you see those schedules, you know, you can plan, you plan your your airline flights and you get your hotels set and you get your meals squared away. All that is pretty much no kidding week by week. Um, hey, look at the women playing tonight against Richmond. You know, we were supposed to play somebody else, you know, on Monday. And all of a sudden today we're playing Richmond at Richmond. So it, it really is, um, you know, the, here's the good news. The good news is that, everyone, most everyone, won't speak for everyone, is understanding. You know, let's start with Kenny. If there's anyone that has a short fuse and can really be, you know, aggressive, you know, because he is so programmed in the way he does business. Our football coach, you know, meticulous, boom, 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 boom. You know, Kenny likes no deviations. You You gotta know what's coming. He wants to have a staff meeting. He wants to get organized, set. Here's a game plan. Let's execute. Heck, even Nehemiah is flexible this year. That tells you something about COVID. It even got to Kenny. So we're all in the same boat and um, open mind, doing the best that we can. But long-winded way of saying the schedule is still evolving. And as of this moment, as I speak to you, nothing is definitive other than a projected basketball schedule, which we hope we can realize. One more for me, and then I'm going to turn it over to Chris Cervello because he has a question. But um, this comes up all the time, almost on an annual basis. You have midshipmen complain about the sports fee that uh, comes out of their paycheck. Um, I think this is commonplace at every school in America. When I was an undergrad at Towson, I know there were student fees, and I'm sure some of my student fees 
went to athletics. But uh, it's come up again in some chatter rooms about, you know, whining about the sports fee, athletic fee. Can you just talk about what that is, what it goes for, and why that benefits all midshipmen? Sure, sure. Good question, Bill. And, you know, again, we, I hear it on occasion. Um, and it's usually a, you know, a handful or a small group of mids that, you know, are questioning what's going on and, you know, what's happening. So, um, you know, keep in mind, you know, we've got between varsity athletics, club sports, you know, and those that compete in other activities intercollegiately, you know, probably 50% of the entire brigade, you know, is, is actively involved in intercollegiate activity of some type. But I'll give you the short version. And then if anybody wants to follow up, they can do that. But, you know, SECNAV, Secretary of the Navy has directed us to compete at the Division One level. So we're going to compete at the highest level. To compete at Division One, you need resources. You have to have monies to make it work. Number two, why do we have 33 sports when the average is 17? We have it because it's the mission of the institution. Okay, all the values, tangible and intangibles that come with competition are part of who we are and why we offer so many sports. You know, the heat of battle, teamwork, perseverance, determination, you know, etc. Those are all part of leadership building. So it's the academy's um, commitment to field as many sports as possible. And right now with Stanford cutting sports, you know, we're number two in the nation in terms of the number of sports at our level, only to Ohio State. So that's a pretty broad commitment. The fees are, minim are minimal, uh, but they're also an important part of the overall budget. Um, fees only constitute about one, a little bit over one and a half percent of the monies that we take in, but nevertheless, it is some bit of an investment. It is a um, commitment that we get from our midshipmen to support this broad-based program that I talked to you about a moment ago. The um, haven't addressed fee increases in years, but you know we did recently. I think that's probably what sparked you know this interest you know from some of these. Um, you know, these, these midshipmen, few midshipmen. The other thing is that um, when you look at the overall monies, uh, I can mention a moment ago, it's only about one, maybe one and a half percent of the overall budget, uh, which is about, I don't know, maybe one $1 million, 1.2 million comes in from student fees. If you look at the AAC, if the average number of sports is 17, even in our conference, student fees constitute as high as $22 million at some of these other programs that are, again, offering 17 sports. So you know, just use that as a statistic in terms of our relying on midshipmen support. It's not a lot of money, and it's minuscule in comparison to an average of the AAC of about $10 million per school. And again, we're at about 1.5 million. 100% of every one of those dollars that comes in in that in that category goes to the Olympic sports. It goes to maintain the broad-based program. None of it goes to football. None of it goes to basketball. None of it goes to, to, to lacrosse. None of it, it none of it goes to salaries. It goes to the swimming 
It goes to the rifle. It goes to the crew teams. It goes to those sports that allow us to maintain the broad context of um, physical mission you know, at the academy. So it's a small amount of money, but it's important. It helps us meet the operating costs of many of those Olympic you know, or non-revenue sports. Uh, it's an investment by the midshipmen and they buy in. They own a piece of the program in which they should be taking pride in their investment in the way they operate. You know, the monies are appropriately earmarked. And you know, the last thing I'd say is, is they are, they, are, they are approved through a process, a government process in which they're submitted and they receive <clears throat> SECNAV approval. So this isn't, you know, Chet Gladchuk saying, hey, now let's tap the mids for a certain amount of money. What we do is we send up a justification. It's approved by the SECNAV. It comes back down and becomes part of, of the fee structure. And then it's audited. You know, every year the, we have a full-fledged audit to absolutely um, review every dime, where it was spent, what it was spent for, et cetera. And it's all within the category of what I mentioned a moment ago, supporting the broad-based program. So I don't expect everyone to understand it. And I don't expect everyone to agree with it. Certainly, there's always people that don't care for athletics. And they'll probably think that the academy shouldn't even field teams. But in the meantime, you know, that's life. I don't think I should pay real estate state taxes either. But I'm going to do it because it's part of the environment in which I live in. And, you know, my advice is get over it. You know, it's the way it is. And every school in the country, for the most part, does it. And I want the midshipmen to own a piece of what we work so hard to create. And I want them to have, have pride in the investment that they make. And the dollars that they provide us are a big part of making certain those Olympic sports can be successful. So that's the long-winded way of answering your question. I hope it, I answered it for you. No, amen to that, Chet. And you know, before Chris asks his question, you know, I, I, Wags can't reveal his sources, but you know, the the source of that complaint was back in the early '80s from you know the students who thought they were missing out on beers at Reardon so they could support yeah. Ward Carroll's uh, dinghy sailor habit. So uh, yeah, that's they, unfortunate. But uh, Chris, go ahead with your uh, question. March of the game, you know. You know, I, I tell you one last thing, John, and not about the fees as much as <clears throat> we've got such a very special environment that you know you've been in it, you've lived it, you've been a part of it. You know, we need all in. You know, we need everybody in to project, to to to, to develop the camaraderie, to create the spirit, the strength of unity. I mean, that's what the Naval Academy is about. You know, we don't need to be fragmented. As an institution, we're too strong, too small. There's got to be strength in the size of who we are, what we represent, and we've all got to be in together. And to ask anyone to be a part of it and pitch in to, to contribute towards its success is, is only justified. Well, I'm actually relieved, uh, Chet, that they are complaining about sports fees. Uh, that must mean that life's pretty good uh, on the yard uh, and that it's not as bad as we had heard. Uh, it, you know, one of my favorite sayings was a bitching sailor is a happy sailor. So, uh, you know, think, things must right, you can, yeah. <laughs> things must be pretty good in Bancroft Hall. Um, 
you know, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast about how proud, uh, whether we're a graduate, whether we live in Annapolis or whether we worked at the, the academy, how proud we are um, that of how you and your team and how Admiral Buck and his team um, have handled all this. Uh, when you look across college athletics, there have been schools that, that haven't handled it as well. And I'm not going to ask you to talk about them, but I am going to ask you to just kind of finish up and talk about your relationship with the soup uh, and how well you think your team has handled what has been, you know, I can't even imagine the uncertainty uh, that, that you guys have navigated through and the fact that we have football and that we were able to play Georgetown. I mean, all of this needs to be kept in, in, you know, great perspective. So kind of over to you about, you know, how the team has handled all this. You know, the thing that I love about the Academy and was reminded a few moments ago about, you know, an idea hit me between the eyes like a, I don't know, a what, but, you know, 20 years of being here. I can't, I can't believe it when I hear that. <laughs> I, <laughs> you're kidding me. <laughs> I still feel like I'm the new AD. But, um, you know, the reason I love the place is because of the confidence that we have and the strength of leadership that comes in an institution like this uh, the people that work here wouldn't be here if they weren't strong leaders. And they, they, if they hadn't persevered through the toughest of times and understood, you know, what it, what it means to overcome, you know, these challenges, you know, maybe in a different context, but, um, you know, the, the, the weak, you know, shall fall aside and the strong shall, you know, shall emerge. And, you know, the Admiral wouldn't have three stars if he hasn't been successful, you know, in, in, in leading. And, you know, him approaching this has been a great education for me, you know, to watch the meticulous detail, the careful thought, um, the, the way he embraces uh, the perspective of his senior leadership. Um, you know, the calculated decision-making as he reviews every course of action, uh, every potential uh, course of action that, that he can he can take. Um, and that's pretty much the way he's been with us. Uh, first of all, I think we have credibility in the physical mission because we've proved over the years that we can manage the environment. We've been successful. We can generate the resources. <clears throat> we hire good coaches. <clears throat> we've stayed out of trouble. You know, knock on wood, thank goodness, we've had no NCA issues. Uh, we balance our budget. So, I mean, he looks at that and he's got a d degree of confidence. And he, with that, you know, comes his jet handle it. You know, keep me informed. Let me know what's going on. And of which I really enjoy doing because I love sharing with him, you know, either my challenges so I can pray on his wisdom, you know, or... Um, you know, the good things that happen and we can, you know, high five over, you know, the army Navy uniform, you know, whatever it might be. So he's been wonderful as has all the superintendents before Admiral Buck. Uh, I don't remember any of them, even though again, there've been challenges facing quite the dilemma that he has. So he has been justifiably focused on the brigade at large. I mean, he is a college president. You know, he, he can't be pigeonholed with one or two things. So, 
He's going to be preoccupied with the big picture, but he has always had time, uh, sincere interest, incredible support for us. Um, and I really got to compliment the commandant because I'll tell you right now, managing that brigade is not easy. I mean, the emotions, the morale, you know, locking them down, taking away liberty, um, you know, managing even the, you know, the, 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 the transition and the, the exodus to, to West Point next week. I mean, you think about the challenges that go into, you know, 175 buses, you know, to the turnpike. Um, and then the academic dean, the same way with you know, virtual classes, online, offline, faculty that can teach, faculty that need to stay home, faculty that are sick, um, filling classes, class schedules. There's been a tremendous amount of moving parts. You know, we've talked about you know, my segment, but everybody is across to bear. And as a senior leadership team, I think we've come together um, with frustration, sometimes being a little testy, uh, not always as patient as we've been or as cordial as we've been because we've been dealing with emotion in some cases, but nevertheless, all with the same intention, the bottom line, the best interests of the midshipmen in the academy and the soup has made certain that that's the case and done a great job of um, balancing it all. So we're in as good a hands as we could possibly be. I've, I've watched and listened to the Patriot League presidents um, bemoan all the issues that they have and their inability to be able to control their environment. And then I just think of what we've been able to accomplish as a team at Navy, um, you know, with guidance uh, from DOD, SECNAV, you know, filtered down to the soup. And someday, you know, Wags will add this as a chapter in his book, you know, how we persevered to the toughest of times, but we always stayed focused on the target. And that was to beat Georgetown and we did. <laughs> Well, really good segue in your discussion about the soup, uh, sir, about, you know, yesterday I was there to, you know, grab my Army-Navy gear uh, as it dropped, you know, and, and, and who was right in front of me in line buying not only a jersey, but two sweatshirts with the new Army-Navy gear uh, was Admiral Buck. And my first thought was, man, Chet's, Chet's not giving that stuff away, you know, very readily anymore. But my second thought was, that's exactly what every midshipman needs to see. They, they need to see the, a three-star in the mid-store buying the new gear, supporting the squad, and, and it was phenomenal. So that's my segue to, you know, what are your feelings on the new gear? You know, I, I'm sure you saw Army's gear. You know, we're all going to be up there uh, next Saturday watching, watching the gear in action. Were you happy with the uniforms? And can you talk a little bit about the process that was in place to, to settle on that type of design. Yeah, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I mentioned the senior leadership team and the, the soup did bring that up yesterday in our meeting with all of us, how he raced down because he wanted to make certain he got what he wanted in the right size. And then funny as can be, there are about six others on the, on the call, the virtual call, it said, yeah, I was down there too. I already picked up my stuff and I picked up my stuff. And 
So, I mean, obviously it went over well, you know, and, and who could be more critical than those in the Navy to analyze, you know, the theme behind the uniform and the gear than, you know, a superintendent and senior leaders and commandants, et cetera. So um, it's a story to be told is what it is, John. And it always starts that way. Um, I'll sit with my team <clears throat> with Under Armour and we brainstorm. You know, we thought, we think of, you know, you name it, ships and boats and planes and Marines. And we think of the crypt. We think of 175 years. You know, we think of aircraft carriers. We think of Blue Angels. Um, you know, we think of some cool uniforms that, you know, have a little bit of a NFL flavor to them. All that stuff gets thrown on the table. And we we share you know, probably a couple of hours of thinking with some really smart people at Under Armour. They go back and they lock themselves in a room and they brainstorm. Then what they'll do is they'll come back to the yard and they'll visit various sites on the yard uh, to garner inspiration and to visually capture a theme that they think, you know, is relevant. Then they go back, short version, they put together a design and they'll bring about maybe three different concepts forward. We'll take a look at them and, you know, nothing has gone unscathed. You know, we fine tune it, we kick it around. We don't like the helmets. You know, we don't like the stripe. You know, we don't like the, you know, the, the texture of something. You know, don't like the black shoes or, you know, whatever it is. You know, we change it and modify it. They go back and come forward again with another, another uh, rendition. Now, the next time they come after the aesthetics of, or the visual of a theme is they'll come with a storyline that you read yesterday with the unveiling, the rationale behind the reason why they're where they are and how that uniform um, came about. And, and it's, there's always some dimension of emotion that goes into it. You know, and you can see this year, the emotion of, you know, the stone and, and the marble, you know, of John Paul Jones, you know, in the crypt. And there's that picture with that same look in the marble pillars, um, you know, 175 years, you know, of emotion that goes into the story. Um, so they, they really think it through. And, you know, I don't mean to be critical, and I probably shouldn't say this because I don't want to get in trouble with our good buddies up the street. But if you took a look at the way the Army uniform was presented, it's basically a statement. Okay, and I appreciate that. And they've had a uniform that they think is you know, very nice and acceptable and motivational. Theirs is a statement. Ours is a story. And, and that's the difference between the way we do business you know, in the creation of that uniform, so that when we express it to our team and our players, you know, they're playing with some dimension of understanding and emotion that goes into the game, and we hope it motivates them, or it's the X factor, you know, in a in the W. Ward, I'm going to give you the final shot, but I, it, Chet, thank you so much for for joining us. I I, I appreciate your perspective and. 
you know, my last word is one of my final things there is the PAO. I remember you calling me in and, and we were first talking about the storyline. And this is why I was reminded of this about the physical mission center or the renovation of Ricketts, which is now done. And, and I appreciated beyond words being brought into the brainstorming of that, but you know, you've always been about the story and I'll never forget what you told me is, Hey, this renovation isn't just about having a nice place to show recruits. I want it to tell a story. And from everything I hear, um, you know, that story is being told. So thank you for being that, that very solid leadership voice. And uh, I'll turn it over to Ward for the final question. Thanks, John. So Chet, um, we have two games left in the football season. Um, where do you think we are going into next year? What do we need to work on? What's your uh, guess on how it will be situated? Let's anticipate that we have normal spring football, normal summer conditioning and practice going into a normal fall season next year. Um, what do you think? Quarterback, 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 quarterback. We got to find a quarterback. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like I was saying earlier, uh, I think maybe before we went on the podcast, you know, everything revolves around a quarterback. If you take a look at last year, um, Malcolm took everything to another level. He motivated everybody on the field, everybody in the stands. Um, you know, all those close, close games that were decided, you know, in the waning moments, the storming of the field by the brigade, uh, you know, Tulane, I remember vividly, SMU. I mean, it's just, we got to have a quarterback. And I think that's what, you know, happens this weekend as we start building for the future. I think you see a little bit more of, of Xavier airline. Uh, I think we do some things to try to give him a chance to be successful. Um, you, you saw what, what um, Newberry was able to do last weekend in bringing out finally some emotion on defense. Uh, that was the best we played all year on defense, storming of the ball highly emotional. You know, we've got a lot of good people coming back and crew, including, you know, Diego Fago and he'll be our captain. So you know, there are pieces in place, you know, the line, you know, we'll miss a couple of guys there, but we've got some big people behind the ball. Um, so you're going to have to refill, but I like the level of talent, good receivers, uh, good speed on the corners. We just haven't been able to use, you know, what we've got in the stable. We got to turn some of these th thoroughbreds loose, and a quarterback is the catalyst for the for the whole thing. So, uh, you know, we tried a couple early through the year, and you know, they had moments in which they helped us. Um, but there's got to be a consistency in that position. And if, you know, if you want the bottom line, that's it. You know, there's somebody, someone has to kind of, kind of come forward and take the leadership role, um, get the ball to the corners, you know, throw the, throw the intermediate pass, um, break, you know, containment, get up inside, be smart enough to change plays on the line um, and motivate the defense because we score touchdowns. I just don't know when I can remember 
you know, get, you know, being so few times in the red zone and not being able to finish. And, you know, what did Malcolm do? Malcolm, we found a way to finish. So that's what's got to happen. I mean, am I optimistic? Yeah, because we've got a program that is solid. We've got good coaches. We feed them. We lift them. We transport them. We treat them first class. We give them the uniforms. We give them the equipment that they need. We give them the medical services. All of that is firmly in place. There's no missing pieces. But we all know so well that when it comes to game day, you've got to have that catalyst that pulls it all together. And I'm not saying that it's you know, the only thing that's important, because as I mentioned a moment ago, I think we've got a pretty good, pretty good nucleus even coming back. We got to find a quarterback. I mean, that's- well, we, get, we got to get back to where the soup lifts you up on the sidelines on national TV yeah. at the end of the game, like the good old days. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to this weekend because <clears throat> we play tough <clears throat> on senior day. We've always played well. You know, Bill knows that I mean, we've won you know, almost two decades in a row <laughs> on senior day. We'll come out with the greatest degree of emotion. We'll play for the seniors. <clears throat> Tulsa has been a team that is, you know, I mean, they're ranked. They're good, but we've always played well against Tulsa. But it's still going to boil down to if this young guy can, can manage, you know, the environment. And if he does, you know, we'll have a good day, and so will be the case at Army. But he's got to grow up pretty fast. Wags, you got some breaking news. Let's get Chet's response to that. Well, it just came across that the SMU Houston football game has been canceled. It just every week, and now it's obviously AAC is not going to complete its schedule. They, there's going to be many games, such as Navy South Florida, that just don't get played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that. Um, there are a couple of scenarios, Bill, that we went through yesterday with the commissioner that may change it even more so to make certain that the best matchups with the remaining weekends are uh, set up, you know, for championship consideration. So there's there's some moving parts, COVID, not COVID, that may play in here at the tail end of the season. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for 20 years of leadership of the athletic department. And, uh, and we wish you the very, very best holiday season going forward, a healthy uh, holiday season with no canceled games and, and tons of cheer uh, from us to you at the, from the sing second sports team. Thank you again. Thanks Kane. Great to be with all of you. Appreciate every one of you and all you do for us. Thanks. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Chuck Gladchuck, the athletic director of the U.S. Naval Academy. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we will uh, take it out. So thanks again. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, we're back. Um, let me be the first one to say, you know, I, I, I ended the first segment by saying I wasn't a sycophant for the Naval Academy, but I will uh, start the out by saying I'm a total sycophant for uh, what Chuck Gladchuck has done for the U.S. Naval Academy. 
Uh, thank you so much for for him making time well over the allotted time that that we promised him. He gladly went over to have a conversation with us. And you know what he has done in 20 years, replacing a legend like Jack Langle, um, and and really making lemonade out of a pretty giant lemon during the COVID uh, pandemic here, uh, just speaks volumes to who Chet is and what and what the Naval Academy means to him. So I know I speak for the entire Sing Second Sports team when I say thank you. Uh, to him. Um, you know, as we go out, uh, we, you know, again, we hope everyone had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And, you know, we appreciate you coming back and listening to us. A reminder that, you know, COVID cases nationwide, but particularly in Maryland here are the highest they've been since the summer. So please stay safe and uh, please wear a mask and please look out for each other, uh, particularly as we get into the holiday season here. Um, you know, when people are colder, they are hungrier and they are more in need of love. So please provide that love. As we go out here, I will let everyone know. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Number one, Mills Fine Wine and Spirits down in downtown Annapolis. Please rely upon them as you stock up for pandemic part two and uh, the holiday season, which really brings out the worst in, in human beings sometimes, unfortunately. And then also to um, to our good friends at Academy, um, our buddy Nate Connor, huge supporter of the pod. Please uh, rely on Nate and his company for your needs. And then finally, um, you know, as we go out, we wish the very very best to the women's basketball team uh, tipping off here at 5 p.m., which you know in real time is in just about an hour against the fighting Richmond Spiders uh, toolman Tim Taylor. We wish him the very best in getting, seeking, and getting his first win. And then Saturday, we will deliver our final live pod of the season. Um, you know, Chris and I, hopefully Wags and Ward before Ward dons his hovers and, uh, and yardsticks. Uh, we will try to uh, we'll try to deliver to you a quick pregame and uh, and go from there before we start getting ready for Army Navy. So for Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner and Ward Carroll, uh, I am John Schofield. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you on Saturday on Instagram and Twitter. Out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.